Romans 13, verses 11 and 12. Here's what it says. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Isn't that encouraging? That is such a great verse. I want you to repeat this after me. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Amen? If you're sitting next to someone watching this broadcast, turn and share this with them. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm calling this message today, Almost Home. Almost Home. Well, since the time I was a little boy, I've had a fascination with superheroes. As a preschooler, I remember as a little tyke, my favorite superhero was none other than a Mighty Mouse. Some of you may remember the Mighty Mouse cartoon show, and he had that little song he sung when he would swoop in and save the day. He would lift his arm and say, here I am to save the day. Oh, I loved little Mighty Mouse. Well, as I got a little older, I outgrew Mighty Mouse. I got into my upper elementary school years, and my favorite became none other than (laughs) He-Man. He-Man was the man that would lift his sword and say, I have the power. Oh, I loved when He-Man took out the bad guys. And I remember as a kid, there was another maybe lesser known superhero that I liked a lot. Surprisingly, it wasn't Superman or Spider-Man or even Batman. One of my favorite superheroes was the Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> Some of you remember that show from the late 70s and early 80s? Steve Austin. You learn in that first pilot episode, he was a famous astronaut. And one day he was pilot, piloting a, an experimental aircraft and something went terribly wrong. And Steve Austin's plane crashed into a fiery ball. Well, all of a sudden, the camera is cut to the operating room, and there is Steve Austin barely hanging on to life there on the operating table. And and then begins uh, one of the best title sequences in television history. The voice begins by saying, Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to build the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better. Stronger. Faster. And then the music intensifies and crescendos, and you see that he has been transformed on that operating table. He had had his two legs crushed in that plane crash, but they replaced them with two bionic legs, and now Steve Austin can run 60 miles an hour. His arm had been crushed in that accident, his right arm, and they replaced his right arm with a bionic arm. Now he's the strongest man on earth. His left eye had been so severely damaged they couldn't save it, so they replaced his left eye with a bionic eye, a telescopic eye, and he can see like an eagle, things in the distance that no other human being could see. He was the world's first bionic man. Well, it was a pretty corny show, to be honest with you. 
But one thing that's always stuck with me about that show is that last line in that title sequence. Better than he was before, better, stronger, faster. He was so strong, in fact, in one episode, he even took on Bigfoot. It's pretty remarkable, you know. <laughs> For those of you uh, WWF classic wrestling fans, yeah, it was none other than Andre the Giant in that Bigfoot costume on that episode. But he was one of my heroes growing up. I love that idea of being better, stronger, and faster. Now, I've got a question for you. As Steve Austin was soaring over the earth in his experimental airplane, he was completely healthy, wasn't he? Before that accident, he was healthy. He had two healthy legs. He had two healthy arms, two healthy eyes. So let me ask you, before Steve Austin's accident, how far away was he from being better, stronger, and faster? Well, a few days, maybe as much as a week. Now, let me ask you this. What about after Steve Austin's accident? When he was lying there on that operating table, clinging to life, how close was he then to being better, stronger, and faster? It's a good question. Most people looking at Steve Austin on that operating table would have said he is worse off than he was before. He's not better. He's worse. He's not stronger. He's weaker. He's not faster. He's slower. But they would be wrong, wouldn't they? Because we know what happens next. He becomes better, stronger, faster. So let this truth sink in. If Steve Austin had been a real man... Most people would have counted him out before that transformation took place. And in our world today, many people might look at you with your illness or they might look at you with your financial difficulties or your divorce or whatever it may be, the problems you deal with, and they may count you out as well. But God can see what oftentimes we can't see, that we are on the brink of becoming better, stronger, and faster. How many of you feel worse off than you felt a couple years ago? How many of you have had COVID in the last two years? Okay, Many of us. My whole family had it about this time last year. In fact, we missed last year's Perseverance Conference because my family had COVID. And so here I am about 11 months after I had COVID late last year, And I've got to tell you, I do not feel better, stronger, faster than I did 12 months ago. You know, I I found several things that are just lingering after having had COVID. I don't feel like I have the endurance that I had just 12 months ago. I don't feel like I'm as fast as I was just 12 months ago. You know what? I've been dealing at times with this kind of pervasive, light uh, frontal lobe headache. I didn't have headaches before. It's a a shame that I don't think I have the endurance I used to. I get this brain fog. How many of you are dealing with brain fog after having COVID? It's not fun, is it? feel like we can't think. We're not as sharp as we used to be. And there's a great tragedy I've had to deal with. One of my favorite foods in the world for my entire life has been peanut butter. And here I am 11 months after having COVID and peanut butter still tastes burnt. That's a tragedy. (laughs) I don't feel better, stronger, or faster, but what's the truth? 
God's Word has some great news for me and for you today. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Repeat this after me. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Amen. Well, stick this in your craw and chew on it. If you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how badly you feel right now. Like me, you might feel worse off than a year or two ago. You might feel lesser. You might feel weaker. You might feel slower. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And through the eyes of faith, we can see the truth. We can know the truth. And that truth is our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Heaven is nearer than it was last year. Amen? Your your complete physical healing is nearer than it was last month. Amen? Your brand new, top-of-the-line, pain-free, resurrected body is nearer than it was just yesterday. Amen? Despite how beat up and broken down you feel, if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, you are closer than you've ever been to being better than you've ever been, stronger than you've ever been, faster than you've ever been. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. It's always darkest just before the dawn. Now, If you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, I'd like you to repeat this amazing truth after me. You ready? Repeat this after me. I may feel worse off, but Jesus is making me much better off. I may feel weaker, but Jesus is making me much stronger. I may feel that heaven is a long way off, But heaven is closer than it's ever been. More than 20 years ago, before the $6 million man hit the airwaves, Florence Chadwick became a hero here in the real world. Florence was born and raised in San Diego, and in 1951, she became the first woman in history to swim across the English Channel in both directions. It was a remarkable feat. And two years later, she broke the men's world record time in her swim from England to France. Because of the way the currents work there in the English Channel, that's the tougher of the two directions, swimming from England to France. She beat the men's record by two hours. Well, she decided to fulfill one of her lifelong swimming goals one day by swimming to Catalina from the L.A. mainland. And so she set out for her 22-mile ocean swim. Well, she'd been in the water for about 15 hours, and all of a sudden a thick fog rolled in, and she could no longer see Catalina. And so she swam for another hour or so, but the fog was so thick she still couldn't see Catalina, and she didn't know if she was off course, and she gave up. And after she gave up, after she threw in the towel, Here is what she said. She said, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I might have made it. I I might have made it. More determined than ever, Florence tried it again just two months later. 
Once more, a thick fog obscured the coastline, and she couldn't see the Catalina shore. But this time, she made it all the way, because she kept reminding herself that land was there. With that confidence, she bravely swam on, achieved her goal. In fact, she broke the men's record by two hours. Amen? So what made the difference for Florence? She kept reminding herself that land was up ahead. She kept reminding herself that the finish line was getting closer and closer. And the same should be said about you and me. How can we persevere through the fog that rolls into our lives? How can we persevere through pain and sickness? How can we persevere through disease and cancer? How can we persevere through depression and financial ruin and the death of a spouse or the death of a child? If we walk by sight, we can't do it. However, if we walk by faith, ah, if we walk by faith, we can, in fact, successfully persevere. Hmm. Even when our senses are telling us there's no hope. Even when we can't see with our eyes or hear with our ears that finish line. Even when we can't sense with our other senses that that finish line is on the horizon. If we will walk by faith, we can finish this race we're running because we keep reminding ourselves what's up ahead. The finish line is closer than it's ever been. Things may seem pretty rotten right now, but heaven is closer than it's ever been. We're closer than we've ever been to being better, stronger, and faster. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Well, many of you are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11. It's nicknamed the faith chapter. It's filled with over a dozen examples of biblical heroes who persevered through extreme difficulties by faith. We are introduced early on to Noah. Remember Noah, he persevered for more than a 100 years as he built this huge wood ship in the middle of a hot desert. There wasn't a significant sized lake or, or seaport within miles and miles of where he was building. And so everybody thought the guy was crazy. A hundred years he's spending building a huge ship in the middle of nowhere, on dirt. They thought he was nuts. There was no rain in the forecast. There was no waterway nearby. He was crazy, according to all those neighbors of his. But he persevered, didn't he? He couldn't see the rain with his eyes. He couldn't hear the trickle of the water coming down the the neighborhood street. He couldn't see it. He couldn't hear it. He couldn't feel it. But by faith, he knew it was coming because God had said so. We're introduced to Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11. He persevered for 30 years, trusting God's promise that he and his wife would have a son in their old age. That took a lot of faith because Abraham was 70 years old when God first made that promise to him. And he wouldn't have that son for another 30 years. He was a 100 by the time Isaac, the child of the promise, was born. But Abraham walked by faith. It didn't make sense in his mind. He couldn't see it. He couldn't hear it. He couldn't feel it. But he knew that son was coming because God had said so. He walked by faith and not by sight. Then there's Moses. It's talked about a little bit later in Hebrews 11. Moses persevered for 40 years, carrying out God's marching orders to lead over 1 million Israelites to the safety of the promised land of Canaan. Moses was repeatedly criticized and slandered. 
He received death threats, but he walked by faith, reminding himself of what God had said was up ahead. He walked by faith and not by sight. I want you to listen to these amazing words that we read here in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. After a few of those heroes of the faith have been mentioned, and before the writer of Hebrews goes on to talk about many others, he says this in verses 13 through 15. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do you see what these biblical heroes of the faith did? They looked ahead. They looked beyond what their eyes could see, past where their ears could hear. And they saw with the eyes of faith what God had promised them was up ahead. Noah saw a flood that wasn't there yet. Abraham saw a son who wasn't born yet. Moses saw a homeland that the Israelites hadn't reached Yet, and if you will simply look ahead with those same eyes of faith, you can see what awaits you up ahead. No more pain, no more disease, no more cancer, no more depression, no more war, no more eviction notices, no more terrible gas prices, no more divorce, no more funerals, no more violence, no more crime, no more poverty. It's going to be awesome. Better. Stronger, faster. Can you see it? Can you see it with the eyes of faith? The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. As many of you know, my wife Christine and I have four daughters. Kayla, Haley, Grace, and Kara. Ages 20 all the way down to age 12, little Kara. Having my four daughters is amazing. I think they're the greatest four daughters on the planet, (laughs) but I'm a little biased. I love my girls, which is why Christine and I will never forget May 14th, 2015. In early 2015, as winter passed into spring, Christine, her maternal instinct kicked in. And she just sensed that something wasn't quite right with her five-year-old Kayla, excuse me, her five-year-old Kara. And something just didn't seem right with Kara. And so she decided that she needed to take Kara to the pediatrician. Well, I thought Christine was just overreacting and, you know, being a hysterical female. (laughs) I thought she was overreacting, but she insisted I need to take her in. Something's not right. And so on a Thursday, May 14th, 2015, Christine and I took little Kara into our pediatrician. And the pediatrician did a little bit of uh, testing on her, and he did a urine test. And he came back and told us, I think she has type 1 diabetes. You need to take her immediately down to Loma Linda University Children's Hospital and get her tested. Because if she has that, she needs to be treated right away. Well, I thought, you know, that doesn't make any sense. 
No one in my side of the family has any kind of diabetes, type 1, type 2, gestational, any of it. No one on Christine's side of the family had any kind of diabetes. So I asked the pediatrician, could it be something else that's causing her blood sugars to be elevated? He said, I don't think so. So we went home. We packed our bags and we took little Kara down the hill to Loma Linda University Hospital. As we were driving down, I was thinking, well, it's diabetes, I guess. Diet, exercise, pop a pill, she should be fine. We were clueless. We got down there and little Kara was quickly escorted into a a bed there in the ER. And she was quickly hooked up to an IV and given fluids. And they did a a blood draw and there she was in her bed in the ER waiting for those test results to come back. We look at this picture now. And it's so clear to us, looking at our daughter's face, she wasn't healthy. Her her face was skinnier than it should have been. She was skin and bones around the waist, and my wife had seen it, but I had somehow missed it. And so the nurse comes back, and the doctor comes in, and they verify that Kara does, in fact, have type 1 diabetes, and she needs to be admitted to the hospital immediately. A normal person's blood sugar remains between 90 and 100 Kara's blood sugar there in Loma Linda Hospital was at 524. And if she didn't have that blood sugar brought down, she was in danger of having organ damage, and eventually she could die. And so they admitted her, and our heads were swimming over the next 48 hours as she was admitted to the hospital. And Christine and I were required to attend a three-hour class on how to inject our daughter with insulin after every meal. We also had to attend a carb counting and nutrition class to learn how many carbohydrates are in various common foods so that we could give her the right amount of insulin when we dosed her after a meal. Her blood sugar, if we uh, gave her too little insulin, could skyrocket. If we gave her too much insulin, it could plummet. If she was given uh, too much insulin, she could suffer organ damage. Excuse me, if she uh, got too much insulin, it would plummet and and she could pass out. If she got too little insulin, she could suffer uh, terrible uh, organ damage. It was just a nightmare. And our heads were swimming because here we were, having only been exposed to what people said about type 2 diabetes, and this thing was a completely different animal. Diet, exercise, popping a pill, none of it would work. This was an autoimmune disease where her immune system was attacking her pancreas, and so the pancreas could no longer produce insulin. And so she'd have to be given it artificially after every meal, after every snack, every single day without a break for the rest of her life. Well, Saturday night there in the hospital, about 48 hours after we had arrived at Loma Linda Children's Hospital, Kara was released. The hospital staff loaded us up with bags and boxes filled with supplies and syringes and slow-release insulin and quick-release insulin, a a blood-testing meter with test strips, alcohol wipes, a sharps container, and lots and lots of paperwork. In the early days of Kara's diagnosis, I, I pleaded with God to heal Kara. I would go into her room sometimes at night, and I would kneel beside her bed And I would place my hands on top of her, and I would pray that God would heal her. And the days turned into weeks, and the weeks turned into months, and the months turned into years. And here we are, seven and a half years later, 
after having given Kira thousands of finger pokes and, and injections, and she's still not healed. She's still not healed, at least not yet. Managing type 1 diabetes is a constant battle that never lets up. But Christine and I know in our hearts that Kara's healing is coming. Whether here on earth or there in heaven, one day she will be better. She will be stronger. And she will be faster. We believe this to be true. We know this to be true. You see, the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. It's true of Kara. And it is true for you if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. It's true for you. Despite what you see with your eyes or hear with your ears or feel in your bones, you are closer than you've ever been to being better, stronger, and faster. Because Jesus is on duty. Congratulations, follower of Christ. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So keep pressing on in faith and obedience. You are almost home. And let's give him some praise and glory today. Amen. Let's give him some praise and glory. You're almost home, Christian. Keep pressing on. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name thanking you for the privilege of living for Christ. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, in good times and bad times, in times of despair and in times of rejoicing. You are faithful. You are good. And you are at work for the good. And I pray for anyone watching this broadcast today, Lord, that's in that valley. Maybe it's their health. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's depression. Uh, maybe it's financial difficulty. Whatever it is, as they're in that valley right now, for those who are believers and followers of Christ, I pray that they would take hold of this biblical truth that the day is almost here. The night is almost over. They are closer than they've ever been to being better, stronger, and faster. Thank you, Lord, that it is always darkest just before the dawn. There is hope. May we take hold of what we know to be true by faith, despite what our senses are picking up on. Because, Lord, this world is not our home. We are just a passing through. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us to walk by faith to walk in obedience and finish this race for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you've never made that decision to put Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of your life, please do so today. You know, there's a big if involved with what I've just shared with you this morning. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope. There is something better, stronger, faster for you up ahead if, if Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. But if you're in your own driver's seat, or you got Buddha there, or you got Muhammad there, or you got Joseph Smith there, or anyone else, or anything else beside Jesus, those things are not true of you. 
But if Jesus is in the driver's seat of your life, there is hope up ahead. You are closer than you've ever been. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. The night is almost over. The day is almost here. Amen? Accept Jesus Christ today if you haven't. And if you have, if Jesus is in the driver's seat of your life, take courage, Christian. Hold on to hope. Walk by faith. Walk in obedience to Him. Because even though it may not look like it, even though it may not sound like it, your redemption is at hand. The day is nearer than it's ever been. God bless you.